Jess. I screamed a lot in last week's episode. Did you? I did. To the point where I had to go back and re-upload it because there was a lot of (laughs) yelling. What were you yelling about? I was yelling at you about chooginess. Oh, yeah. In reality, I was being passionate, but I... And and people who know me know that, like, I can yell and probably, like, max out the mic. I don't think – because I'm not monitoring at the same time, I can't tell how badly I had maxed out the mic, like, how badly I went into the the red. Um, So it sounds like I'm just yelling at you and that, like, I am – at least in my (laughs) mind, that I just cannot be wrong. Because in reality, I'm being playful in my mind, right? And we're like joking, we're laughing kind of, but it just sounds like a wall of screaming. (laughs) Well, no, you know what that is? It's the pain inside of losing. And I understand understand that feeling. It's like, and you're clinging on, hoping that maybe if you yell enough, you might win, but you know inside you've lost. And honestly, you come out looking so good because you are so patient with this fucking screaming bitch who's like, no. And you're like, but, but. And that's a tactic in and of itself to remain calm. But usually, the like I said, the person that remains calm is usually probably the more right person. Yeah, or the one who knows how to really gaslight. Manipulate. Like, <laughs> yeah, hundred. Yeah, <laughs> A hundred percent. My style with, like, when I got in trouble it, with with my dad or my mom or, like, so there was four, like, four kids. I was the oldest of four. And chances are I was getting pulled aside and so my, it was my brother because we both did something wrong. Or my sister and I did something wrong. But the way I avoided punishment was to say, yeah, it's true. I did make the mud bath, but Joe threw it at me first. Like, or whatever, like I would be truthful about my part in it so that when the worst thing happened, I was aware. I didn't have anything to do with that part. That's so smart. That's smart. It's very smart. I I learned early on that I, because I got in trouble once for lying and never again. That's like one of those <laughs> lessons you learn once and you never betray your parents ever again. So I think I had to get smart as to how I wouldn't get in trouble. I think I was actually, hold on a second. I got cats moving in. Um, I was, I was not a troublesome kid. I think maybe I was an angry kid, but like a fun angry kid. (laughs) I don't know if that's possible. I didn't get in trouble a lot. I think like my sister got in trouble. Were you like a troublemaker? You were the youngest. Oh, I don't think I was a troublemaker. Oh, Nick. I was not a troublemaker. However, I got a, I got away with everything because mm. I was the youngest. That's kind of what I mean with troublemaker then. I, I can't like – maybe that's not the right definition, but like did you go – were you like a, like a danger kid? <laughs> I was definitely not a danger kid. I was a, I was a, good, a good kid. However, where I grew up, everybody – partied so it just depends on what your definition of like a good kid is but like Mm. we were going out like my parents didn't know how much we partied i mean they kind of knew we were going out all the time 
you know, they would go out of town. We'd throw parties. Shut up. Um, so it's like typical early, late 80s movie style. Look, let me, you want to. Do I? I mean, let me explain <laughs> this to you. I mean, because a lot of people who don't, who, who hear this, get their mind blown a little bit. And it's pretty mind blowing when I look at it, look back on it. Uh, first off, I'm the youngest of four boys. So when you're that's, the youngest. That's, a, that's significant. Yeah. And my, you know, my older brothers all partied in their own way. Um, my immediately older brother, Paul, he had a huge group of friends and they, they were big partiers. Mm. Um, so those were the bad influences. Got it. Yeah. But you know, but no, again, just kidding. yes. And again, partying wasn't bad where we came from. Let's try to describe this for you. I was raised in El Paso, Texas, which is on the border with Mexico mm -hmm. and Going to Mexico to party was basically a regular weekend thing. That was just what you did on the weekends. Fuck. And Holy shit. You're going. Did they even care if you were 18? No. I used to say, if you could see over the bar and have American dollars in your pocket, you're good to go. Whoa. But when I was 15, oh. me and a couple buddies on Saturday drove out to Tucson, Arizona, which is about four hours from El Paso. Parents didn't know this. We drove out to Tucson, Arizona, and we got fake IDs because in Arizona, you there were real IDs. You could go, you could get a state ID without any proof, without any proof. You just go what? in there. I was just. It was. Back I guess that's had, that's like was that like a sim not a symptom in a bad way, but like because of a lot of immigrants, or was it just like we're not going to make it difficult to, for people to get driver's licenses? You, this is again probably a generational thing. If you start thinking back on like, this is like when they had laminated IDs, and maybe some of our listeners have never seen a laminated ID. I honestly um, don't think I have. Actually, I don't think I have. And you know, and it was just basically pieces of paper laminated together. <sighs> now this wow. was not a driver's license, right? So it didn't, you know, certain certainly in America, a lot of times they probably wouldn't accept that as a form of ID. Um, because it's not a driver's license where you need more validation for it. Anyways, it's just a I state see, ID. I see. I see. Wow. And for some reason in Arizona, <laughs> you could get it for nothing. So we drove all the way out. Somebody, somebody learned that. We drove all the way out to That's Tucson. That's fucking so, wild. So just in case, and I maybe used it once or twice in Mexico. So mind you, I'm 15 and I have an, <laughs> a, an ID that says I'm 18. Um, and then when I turned 18, it said I was 21, which was which was great. It didn't last. It, it didn't last very long before that one got taken away. But um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> but then when I was in LA at 18, I found out how to get fake IDs in LA. Again, back when they were laminated, it was easier to get fake IDs. Sixth and Alvarado, you can still probably. Oh, get I know. It. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, you can. You drive. You just drive. It. It's so sketchy. It's so sketchy. But me. Okay, now I'm mixing stories. Um, yeah, let but, me stop talking and interjecting. I'm just having a great time. So anyway, so El Paso, let me just describe to you what it was like to party in, in Juarez. Um, what you would do is you would go to a club owner or a bar owner and you would say, I want to throw a party at your bar on this date. And they'd go, okay, now your job is to go out and flyer your high school and tell everybody about the party on that night. Their job, what they do there, the deal is, 
at, 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 at the time I was there, it was $8 drink and drown. Okay. Shut up. $8 to get in the door to drink all you want for the night. What the fuck? And you made a dollar a head of everybody who walked in the door. And the club (sighs) owner made sure that nobody, no locals came in or nobody outside who you wanted to come in came in. So you could have- So it was like insular in a good way, kind of. Yes. Well, because they want to, well, they want to make American teens feel safe, A. And then B, you know, I mean, you never really denied anybody to come in. Like that was never really a thing. But like each high school had their own sort of clubs they'd go to. So there wasn't a ton of different mingling anyway between high schools. Um, But my high school, sophomore through senior, we didn't have freshmen, had close to 3,000 kids. So you could easily get on an average night, 500 people from your high school. So you were a club promoter. <laughs> now, I only did it a couple of times. So <laughs> You still did it. That's oh, I incredible. Did it. Uh, yeah. Me and my boy, Larry Menchaca, we were, we were my M&M. boy. We uh-huh. had, uh, you know, everybody had their own flyers and, and you, you couldn't, if you got caught pan, passing out flyers, you were going to get expelled. So you, but you wanted to let people know what the party was, who's throwing the party, because that determined how cool it was. Um, my brother, Paul, he was, they, were, they were the buds of 94, and they were legendary. If it said buds of 94, you, you went. Um, <laughs> buds of 94. There were some kids in my grade who, like, like this one girl, she had the market cornered on the holidays. She had the, she had the like, you know, first day of school party, last day of school party, the Thanksgiving party, the Christmas party. And she would, oh, I don't know how she worked it, but she had three different bars. One, one was um, La Playa, which is just like, well, I guess it's, no, I said one was Superior, which is just a straight bar. Then there was La Playa, which was like a bar with dance music. So they had a little bit of a dance floor. And then there was Sarawak, which was a straight club. So you paid $8 and you got into all of them. No. And she she would easily pull, I don't know. A thousand bucks a night. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Somewhere between 600 and a thousand people coming in and out around there. And you would, that's it. You just go, you pay your eight bucks. You hop back and forth. You see everybody, you know, there's no, everybody party. It didn't matter if you were a jock, if you were a nerd, if you were, you know, uh, skater or whatever, whoever you were, you're popular. You weren't, pop- it didn't matter. It, even if you didn't drink, you still showed up because you wanted to go hang out and party. Um, that was just par for the course. So then when you talk about throwing a house party, that was, that was like special. That was like, oh, cool. Let's go hang out at someone's house. <laughs> Not only My- that, I'm going to throw another thing here. You ever seen Days? You ever seen Days and Confused? Party at the Moon Tower? No. No? What? I know. I'm like one of the few people on the planet who's never seen Days and Confused. And if I did, I was really high, and I don't remember it. Oh my god! There's, Just, there's a couple can we, movies. Can we stop the tape and you go watch it right now? Because <sighs> no. Oh my gosh. It, well, I first know. off, if you want to get to know me or anybody from Texas a little I'm bit good. better, great, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> anyways in that film the, the movie is basically all about 
the last day of school and going out to a party, a house party that gets busted and they end up going party at the moon tower. And like everybody drives, you know, they get some kegs, they go out to this location and they have a party. Okay. Um, we, we had the desert. So now, uh... so out in the desert, which was basically people's ranch properties, but they were so big and expansive. They had we, no idea if you were there. Know, or... Exactly. So we had different locations in the desert. We had we had the Fuck. wall. We had the high wire. We had the dead cow. Um, no, you know, was there a dead cow? That's where they. It's a spot where they used to where the ranch hands would go shoot sick cows. So sometimes there might be a dead cow there. <laughs> oh my god. Um. And so you could go party in the desert. Same thing. Everybody rolls up in their trucks and their cars, you pop a couple kegs. Um, you could swing by if you wanted to on the way. You could swing by uh, Anthony, New Mexico. So we're on the border with Mexico and New Mexico. And in Anthony, New Mexico, they had, you know, drive through beer places. You just drive through, pick up, pick up some cases of beer on your way out. Like an to the Altadena desert. or something like was yeah. It, was it actually like a like a liquor store or was it like oh buy milk and a beer for your dad kind of thing? No, I don't I uh, was it just a liquor store or did they have I think they might have had other stuff there. Yeah, I think they probably had other I think it was probably like yeah, a yeah, convenience yeah. store. But I mean like yeah. it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um so take your pick on a weekend. Take your pick. You want to go party in Mexico? you want to go out to the desert or you just want to hang with your friends at a house party so that was i mean that basically was was life in el paso wow so that explains like your lack of brain cells (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much you know it's strangely it made a lot of people in el paso I guess they went two ways. Either one, like really ad- well adjusted for life because, you know, we go to college and there's like keg parties and we're like, cool, cool. Been there, done that. Um, or people went the other way, which is just became complete degenerates for the rest of their lives because they started off as alcoholics in, in high school. So, yeah, I-, I have a question. Would someone think that you were like the cool kid in school? Me personally? Yeah, yeah. Would someone be like, oh God, Nick's really cool? Um or popular. I had a special trait. I was a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I was I was able to be friends with every social group. Mm-hmm. Um so I did I don't know that anybody would be like, Nick is popular, because I wasn't like a member of the popular group, but I knew them all. I could. I was friendly with them all. I'd get invited to their parties. I also would, you know, I had one of my closer groups of friends was was more of a nerdy group, you know, like smart smart kids. Um, oh, that's interesting. And they would be like, they'd be like, uh, they would call me the gatekeeper because I could get them into the parties. But then, but so dumb because. I would tell them, it's like, you don't need me to go to the parties. Anybody can go to the parties. But you emboldened them. (laughs) You made them feel cool. That's very cute. I was asking because some people that were cool in high school, they peak. And then they're not cool anymore. Oh, And so it sounds like you traversed that well. And now you're you're still cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was if I'm cool or if I ever was cool, but I'm likable, I think. I think you're still relevant. Let's put it that way. There are some people who were really cool in high school and that's about it. And you got a yeah, lot more no. going on for yourself. No, totally. That can happen. You know, I think it's pretty, uh, it's a phenomenon. I might say we were the cool, popular kids and I was not cool. And so like the not cool people are flourishing later in life. So totally. Yeah. Then, they, you know, because you let your guard down a little bit, you think life is easy and then you wake up and it's, and it, and <laughs> it ain't easy. <laughs> if life was like high school, I wouldn't want to be alive. <laughs> just kidding see for me if life was like high school it would be fantastic it was a great time we all had so much fun i think honestly I think... we need to wrap up this first part of our podcast <laughs> but all i want to do is talk about this because it's fa that is fascinating to me how much you guys partied how like i'm sure i was just not cool so i'm sure i didn't party in the same capacity but holy shit that story is incredible. You also you just didn't have the accessibility. Like I just think about it. Like oh no, no. I was I went to private schools. I went to a private school. There were people who were doing like hardcore drugs. Like there was things happening. I just was not in that world, nor very interested in it. I think all my partying came later. My parents did a really good job scaring me about drugs as a young as a young child. I think by like. 17 I started smoking weed and not even that regularly mm. well that's the same for me I didn't really well that was like how we partied potentially mm -hmm. like maybe there was a couple beers at like our the band's show or something like that or we go to the cobalt and there might be a mosh pit <laughs> or I'm in the back of the alley lighting, you know, straws on fire. Isn't it cool? Like, like we were really tame in comparison. So you weren't doing keg stands and beer bongs and not me shotgunning beer and not me. <laughs> the craziest I got in high school was making a pipe out of a beer can, <laughs> or like putting vanilla. Vanilla vodka in vanilla Coke. And that was exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. Oh, my God. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for pandering. Oh. Nick. Jess. What's your favorite smell? Oh my gosh. What's my favorite smell? Mm -hmm. We asked this before. I asked this before, like with regards to like floral f scent, but like, what is your favorite smell? Oh, well, if it's floral. I didn't ask floral this time. What's your favorite <sighs> smell? I mean, the first thing that came to mind was food, but I couldn't like pinpoint what food. Um, like Thanksgiving food, maybe? Oh, Thanksgiving is good. Just thought I did think about a big, a big tray of baked kibbe, you know. Ooh, what's that? It's this Arabic. Your face is doing something I've never seen before. <laughs> mm. 
all the elders of your family came to your face in ancestral <laughs> commiseration. It was very interesting. So kibbe is what? Uh, kibbe is ground lamb mixed with uh, bulgur wheat or burkle. Mm. Um, and then you can cook it a lot of different ways. In fact, you can eat it raw. Raw lamb. It's delicious. I know it sounds interesting. Sounds no, crazy. No, no. People eat tartare and steak tartare and stuff like that. You just need to make sure. Like you if you're prepare it right. Yeah, because if you're doing like ground beef, you should never eat that raw. I mean, that's just no death on a plate. But if you you know, it's kinda like fish, right? If you're serving it in that capacity, there are worse things, I think. You you have to go to the right butcher to have them trim the the meat properly in order to do it. That would make sense. I, I'm not condoning it as a vegetarian, but I don't, I'm not yucking your yum. But here's way. the deal though. I just found out that there are several vegetarian versions of kibbe. Like <gasps> I always, my, I come from a very meat family. My mom doesn't think a meal is a meal without meat on the plate. Yeah, totally. Um, but, uh, but no, uh, there's, a. Uh, um, somebody in LA, her name's Cheryl Ferris, who, uh, Oh yes. She's a head of the board for Impro theater. She makes a pumpkin kibbe, which is delicious. It tastes very similar to real kibbe. Pumpkin. Um, and then just the other day I had a zucchini kibbe, which also was fantastic. And both were like fair, like fair substitutes for, for it, but yeah. As a vegetarian, I can say that you certainly begin to have an affinity for things that are like the vegetarian version. It's like, like kind of making yourself get used to Diet Coke. I will never, I will just drink regular Coke. But like someone who's drank a lot of Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi begins to really love it. And I think the same is true. It's like if you eat enough Beyond Beef, you're like, actually, this is really fucking great. I think at a certain point, you just have to tell yourself, this is good. <laughs> this is exactly like what I used to eat. <laughs> Even though it's not, but it is. So if, if, if tastes, wait, I was going to pontificate out in something and, and bring it back to soap, but I can't. It didn't work. Oh, How this do was you... all a lead into soap? Oh. Somehow. Can she, make, can she make kibbe soap? Wow. Like just, like just rub that lamb all over my body? Oh, oh fuck, no. dude. It sounds oh, like no. some sort of sacrificial biblical thing. I don't want it no is. part of. It is. Abraham, right? Wasn't it? Did he, did he rub lamb's blood on his body? I don't know. He sacrificed a lamb? Uh, no, I don't know. I so no I, how about I this? Something I love talking to people about with regards to like pheromones and attracting a potential mate or or your long term mate, we are attracted to people's scents. S S C E N T S, and there is a letter from Napoleon because they didn't used to bathe all that often, right? They used to like maybe every week or like we bathe far much more as a culture than like any other human has ever. And Napoleon sends a letter to his lover or his wife or, or whatever at the time. And he's like, I am on my way home. It'll be about three months. Do not bathe. He tells her to not bathe. <laughs> <laughs> he loves her scent that much that he doesn't want her to fucking clean. Three months is too long, Napoleon. It's nobody can stand that. No, I don't know if you really love how someone tastes. Yeah, 
Não. <laughs> Three months it starts to become bacteria, uh, excess bacteria. Uh, but you know what? I I mean, I guess at that time you're so used to maybe like a really strong pungent smell that whereas today we're just not used to it, so we don't we get turned off by it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Let's put it this way. So the reason I sell, tell that story often or talk about that often is um, people wear perfumes or colognes when they're like going out to Juarez and everyone's like, that guy's really hot because that's sending signals to my brain that this is a hot person or I'm into it. And you, you can be attracted to somebody that and not pheromonally attracted to them. But like at the, when like things start settling in and the relationship and like the person starts stops wearing cologne or stops wearing perfume. People are like start posting on Reddit like I hate my husband's smell. Oh my <laughs> fucking god. <laughs> Which is really your body going this is not a good physical pairing mate, like ba baby making mate. And like it's hard it's it's hard to go backward from there. You know, I used to be a cologne guy. I used to be a cologne guy. What Jacquard Noir? Don't no, okay, Gucci, Gucci Noble. I don't know if they even make that anymore. Um, that was That's my very chuggy. <laughs> We're talking like 80s, 90s, uh, mainly 80s, early 90s. Um, my aunt, uh, my aunt Joanne, she used to, I, she used to do sales in in that in that business. So she would also we get a lot of. Oh. free stuff so also what, what, what was some other stuff like camp beverly hills was one um escada that was another one um i don't know anyways i used to have i used to have like a like a, an array of different cologne and i slowly didn't, didn't wasn't wearing it as often but then i met my wife and she cannot stand scents like oh. especially perfumes or colognes like to the point where like, you know, we can't wash clothes that have with detergent that has, that is scented detergent. You don't, sure. Nothing is scented and anything is scented. So then I stopped wearing it. And now I'm like her. I don't, I don't, I, some female perfume I can get behind. Sure. I cannot sure. get behind any, most perfume, most cologne any scented stuff, it bothers me now. So it's it's just about what I think it's about what you get used to. Sure, totally. It it, it it smells have this fantastic ability to either transport you back to some memory, like almost instantly, right? It's almost like unlike anything else. Even if you, if you thought about a memory, it's not the same as when a smell hits you and like, oh fuck, that I'm back in that basement in 1993 or whatever. There is a female perfume that reminds me of the first girl that I really fell for. And I couldn't tell you what it was, but every now and then uh -huh. I catch a whiff of it. And I'm like, oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. I, it's I know exactly what you're talking about. That's, yeah. that's fat. Like uh, my grandmother left behind her uh, like a, not a caboodle because it was really like a toolbox of all her jewelry. And like years later, like we found it or my mom's like, here, take a look, see if you want anything. Uh, and I open it and it was all her perfume and it came all right back. It, like it was so amazing how this like metal jewelry held all this scent. So 
It's a long way to say. <laughs> Bubbles and Things Soap does a really good job <laughs> with scent. <laughs> I, but really and truly, and we've, I mentioned this before about Bubbles and Things Soaps, she really cares a lot about the type and quality of scent that she puts into her soap and also the quality of the soap she's using that makes sure that all her ingredients are very good. It's, and hopefully she can start a new line, the the Nick line of, of lamb meat, uh, Gucci oh, Mobile. And no scent. <laughs> <laughs> and no scent. It's just... Just three different. It just depends on what you're in for at night, you know? I look at night. I'm, yeah, lo- to- I'm looking forward to the Nick line, the special, you know, you don't know Nick only soap. And you too can smell like Nick Masu. <laughs> wow. I can't. You gave me so much shit for liking Night at the Roxbury. But now with you telling me about Cologne, Kibby and fucking going to 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 clubs. All I think now is that you don't like Night at the Roxbury because you were a fucking Butavi. <laughs> you piece of shit. Well, go to bubbles actually, and things. I don't know. It's too, I get actually, the last eight. Sure, sure. But <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. There's probably actually some truth in it because because well, first off, let's just let people understand what you're talking about on on Twitter. Is that what they call it? Go to um, bubblesandthingssoaps.com, use the YDKN pod code, get percentages off of your fantastic sm- soap. Carrying on. We're, we're going to section this off and we're going to move it into the next section. I this is I have control, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Ba-ba-ba-ba-theme song. Nick. We're back. Okay. What are you talking? You are a Butavi. So look, on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. I, I happened to be flumming through late one night. Because you because you are you are on the Twitter train now. I'm I'm a I'm a Twitter maniac. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen my posts, but they are on fire. <laughs> and and uh, I noticed this tweet that you responded to. Asking about what are five movies that you've seen over 10 times? For sure have seen over 10 times. For yeah. sure, without a doubt. Now, I don't know yeah. that for me there's any movie I've seen over 10 times. But for sure, without a doubt, for you, number two on your list <laughs> was Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan? That's right. And That's right. An SNL sketch turned movie that probably shouldn't have, you know. Um, as most SNL sketches turned movies uh, fall into. Take, wipe your mouth with bubbles and things soap right now. <laughs> Clean your fucking mouth. Yeah, well, because we, we, Molly Shannon's in that as well. And a young-ish, uh, who's the hottie police officer? She's the woman who plays this the lips. Jennifer Coolidge is in it, uh, briefly. Uh and Rico, no, uh, Richard Grieco is in it. Oh, there you go. Um, and you gave me some major shit. The one, the one tweet you did last week was basically chastising me for that being a top ten. 
Or top, top two. Top, top. Jeez. Top. I think it was top three. I just, I yeah, I just, look, I'm sure it has some redeeming qualities. Will Ferrell's hilarious. Chris Kattan sure. is, is underrated. Um, but it's a bit of a one joke. Pony. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> I, a funny joke, but, you know. I thought yeah. it would be, I didn't intend to bring it up today, but. I thought it would be too much to explain and it was just better to just like say, like put my flag in the ground and be like, yeah, fuck you. I've seen this 10 times. Uh, but and then rather explain why. But I'll explain why now. It was my father who loved that movie so much. Oh. And I think we all watched it as a family. It's <laughs> a family movie. <laughs> Truly. If you were to sit my brother and me down right now, we could, with my dad, we would for word for word. Down to the sounds of like the van opening and like, like we could reenact that movie probably. We've watched it that many times. We he my dad loved it so much, and then his favorite moments he he, he like you know because VHSs he would rewind and go that's so fucking fun. Like we would watch the Three Stooges and he'd pull out all right that's a cat. Uh, he'd pull out moments like they actually got hit by the wood in that or something. So he loved rewinding and like my, my dad just you know connoisseur of all the things he thought he knew about um his his taste let us fall in love with night at the roxbury i tried to re-watch it recently i also this is like too much to get into a tweet i couldn't i couldn't even like get past the first few minutes <laughs> there you go that's so not crazy i'm but- sure if i stuck it out i might have been like able to enjoy it but i'll tell you what like I watched Clueless recently, and that's a movie I could watch again tomorrow. You know, that's mm. yeah, yeah. And the only the only sh- commonality between that is that it's both a '90s film, and the dad is the same dad. Mm. Hmm. Are, were you a Butavi though? What I don't even know what Butavi is. What is that's Butavi? Steve and uh, something Butavi? That's what the characters are. They're the Butavi brothers. Oh, oh, they're like a hundred percent like. White guys being Armenians <laughs> at <laughs> clubs in LA. It's like, like as I look back on it as an adult now, I realize that that's what they were stereotyping. Because like they put so much cologne on, they have like you know silk shirts and like silver, silver neck necklaces. Wild. Now look, I was not. I mean, I yes and no. Like definitely not to any level like that. But you know, I'm. Lebanese, Syrian, Palestinian, whatever. I'm Middle Eastern. Um, and it is very, you know, of the culture to wear gold necklaces and gold jewelry and wear cologne. Um, have an extra button open to let uh-huh. that to let that to let that necklace nestle in your chest hair. So mm-hmm. now granted in my family though, it was you were you wore a cross, a gold cross around your neck. So it was oh. religious, it was a religious thing. But I wore a gold cross around my neck every day. Like I never took it off, ever. Yeah, totally. Until one day when it was ripped off my neck, and that's a it was an interesting day. Um, but was it a hate crime? No, it 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 was. Well, it's hard to say. It wasn't a hate crime. Hard to say, really. Um, was it religious persecution? No, no, it was a total subconscious moment between me and my nemesis. <gasps> you have a nemesis? Well, to this I just, day? I say it I say it in a funny way. 
I say you are funny, but I'm 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 here. I'm available. I'm story. Tell me, Dad. No, no. He's an old. We're we're old friends. We're old friends okay. with some deep deep differences. Yeah, uh, we yep. we did have a falling out. Not before this moment. Um, well, after this moment, um, we have some ideological differences. Is what it means to be human, and um, you know how how you treat people, but. <laughs> Like by not ripping their necklace off of their chest, like yeah. Maybe that's like like like, like that's a. We were playing. There. We were playing ultimate frisbee. Oh right? my Which god! Is, oh, that makes so much sense. So it was a, it was a moment of athletics, but he's one of those guys in athletics who like goes a little too hard. It's like whoa, we're just we're just we're playing, playing flag here. football. Don't fucking tackle me, bro. Yeah. I mean, like 100%. the whole th- the whole thing around ultimate frisbee is like, oh, it's the sportsman sportsmanship game version of football right you know it's like you know you don't have referees because everybody calls their own their own things and everybody's there you know yada yada but he's out there you know (sighs) elbowing you like he's you know playing you know world cup soccer and you know and he accidentally slapped my chest and ripped ripped the thing out like his fan got caught in there or whatever so it wasn't like it was not intended but it was a subconscious moment of like this person who i who we were really good friends with at the time, but I knew there was subconscious difference. There was like fundamental differences between how we approached life um, that later would come to a head in a, in a horrible way. Um, wow. Ripped, wow. Ripped, ripped the cross off my neck. Um, but for me, it was like, I was ready to move on from wearing the cross anyway. So it's, it's a strange, strange symbolic. I still have the cross. Um, it's still broken, but um, I still I oh, still care. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, the symbology but, of the whole thing is fascinating. Yeah. Well, because I love, like, you'll never admit it to that person. Like, I can't believe you broke off the cross, but that you were ready to do it. It like, like you don't ever want to admit when someone is right also like if like you don't want to admit to that person like you did me a favor even though you suck like that was that was bad but like we i'm trying i'm not doing a good job explaining myself but there's times where things come to a head or things happen and it did need to happen for you but you but be damned if you let that person know that they actually affected change in a positive way or he gets zero. That. He gets zero credit That's for what anything I'm saying. that you're trying to talk I, about. I understand. I understand. I'm not doing it. In fact, he got enough. his own karma. I think it might have been that same day where he was just so over exuberant. He twisted his ankle. Oh shit! Yeah, that's a painful thing. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, who I would have been in this scenario, and I probably would have been like the person that ripped your cross out by accident like or or passionately I, my competitiveness has like lost me jobs and and friends i'm sure like, i'm sure i'm super competitive i'm the youngest of four boys you know i've always i've even been criticized for being too competitive um but i also like there's just there's in some people there's just extra level of unawareness un- mm-hmm, unawareness mm-hmm. If that's the word. Um, and just had it. He just had it. Like, cause I could be over competitive and intense and yada yada, but there's that one extra notch where you're kind of really, a, I'm aware I'm being over 
competitive. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm aware that like maybe, and it's, and I'm usually kind of doing it for fun. Right. A hundred percent. Though other people, sometimes other people who maybe have trauma around competitiveness don't view it as fun. And then I have to like, okay, I'll, I'll that's it a down. hard, that's a hard balance to strike. Right. Like mm-hmm. I know exactly. I'm relating hard. Yes, I understand. Um, but then you have that one person who is tapping into like something primal or like an angry side of them. And that's like, it's like a, almost like a, a opportunity to release this like adrenaline or something for them. Um, I, I think I understand it on both sides because I too have uh, made it uncomfortable for people how competitive I am and aggressive I am. I, I opened this podcast apologizing for how much I yelled, even though I know it was all in good fun last week. I don't think you walked away going, whoa, Jessica, you know, because I think you get it. And oh, so I, we were- I not only get it, I, I crave it. Like, I don't get an opportunity for that type of uh, back and forth, you know? Repartee. Especially when, especially when I win. I mean, that's, you know, really- Well, you won. You totally won. We got it. I got it. We still need that shirt. Where is <laughs> Nick. So, but I have, I, I, I'm sure I exist as the villain in somebody else's. Actually, I know for a fact I exist as the villain in someone's story who uh, I reached out to at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, I can sense that you have a problem with me. What the fuck is that? And they're basically like, you were an asshole in this one setting and you were told to not be an asshole. And then you doubled down and became a bigger asshole in this professional setting. Uh, my argument was that, A, you never come, you never talk to me about it. <laughs> and so I don't know, I didn't know I was doing something wrong. And the things that you thought happened with people telling me that I was an asshole, that didn't happen either. It was bad communication all around. But I went, great, can't change that opinion of you, of myself. I can't go back word in time and make that person not have this negative opinion of me for being that competitive. Yeah, can't, yeah. But the people that love me know that I'm the worst, and that's okay. <laughs> so I, I just I – just, it's really hard not to just make this whole podcast about literally not knowing Nick and wanting to know more about Nick. It's really – it's like a hard thing for me, just like wanting to ask you more questions about yourself. I'm being serious. But let's calibrate because we haven't – what? What's that fucking face, dude? Nothing. I'm not making a face at all. Yeah, you are 100%. No, I'm just, that's my, that's, I just stopped making any facial expressions. That's just where my face landed while I waited to listen to where you're going. That's it's not the face I was Like making. my face. No, yeah, my face just stopped though. How did that feel? Right there on a puzzled and, and, and like disgust. <laughs> Let's calibrate. Where are yes. you at with uh, your place in the world generationally? Oh, so the, okay. Um, there's no trivia today. There's no. I have a, something to talk about uh, that does pertain to generations okay. commiserating, but I'm. But we calibrate also where we are at with regards to this stuff too. And we've been talking about our experiences in childhood. I think that's that pertains to it. But this podcast was supposed to be about us exploring Gen Z, so I need to ask you that. Yeah, you know, I had a buddy of mine reach out to me this week who was like, "Oh man, I've been listening to your to your podcast." And, and Jessica's the worst. What the no. fuck? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's like, in you know, he's he's a couple years younger than me, so he's in between our ages. I yeah. think he probably more identifies 
it seemed like he was more identifying with Gen X than. And I don't know him. You do know him. Oh, okay. I might say his name. Is he you can. Name? You say the first name. Yeah, Brian. I'll say his name. He's who cares? But Brian, Brian Jones. Jo- Brian Jonesy. He's been listening. Yeah, I don't know. Where. Hi, Brian Jones. <laughs> and he was just like, he was just like, oh, it's so great to hear people talk about generational stuff. Uh, and and it was like, you know, he's like, oh, it's you know, it's important. It's he's got kids now. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, he's either just had or about to have another kid. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and anyway, so it's just like he was just commenting on like how, you know, like it's not stuff that you think about all the time, but it's stuff that it's important to hear, especially when you start to have kids and like, you know, it, this is, you know, this was kind of like his way of like engaging in that conversation without having him to go do his own research. So he's like been really enjoying it. Oh, that's um, so that's so delightful. And and to compliment Brian Jones, because he was, along with you, one of my first improv teachers. Uh, yeah, we, we co-taught you at one time, You didn't guys we? co-taught me. It, he was my first L.A. theater sports teacher, too. Mm-hmm. So before I knew what impro did, which is long-form narrative uh, improv storytelling, I thought impro was just short-form theater sports. I did not understand. Like, someone someone missed the boat on explaining what the school was to me early on. And then I was like, what's Chekhov? And you guys, I saw you guys do a Chekhov play, and it was fantastic. Um, But Brian is so good at connecting with people of all ages. Mm-hmm. Brian has like a timeless, like playful, but wizened personality that really attracts people to like, he's got a beautiful light that like shines as a performer and as a teacher. So I think that's cool to kind of get like his seal of approval of it's cool that you're talking because I think you're right. Like looking at I'm I have more empathy and patience for children or Gener- the generation C because of this podcast. I'm mm. starting to understand that like they are doing the thing that millennials did to break away from the pack to make themselves cool. Like you start I'm starting to see the patterns of what teenagers do and they think they they're the first to do it, you know, and and do we give them shit for that or we just let them figure that out, you know? So it's it's been an interesting journey for me on this podcast and anyway i was supposed to compliment brian jones and hopefully he got a compliment out of that somewhere but he's he's such a wonderful he's a wonderful one he's fantastic you know he's yeah. my he's my improv brother because we, oh. kind of, we kind of so came... i asked you a long time ago you if you had an improv soulmate would you say pressure's on would you say he's your improv soulmate well is he your I... improv brother that's different well yeah i mean what's the difference between do we say we talk about improv soulmate I asked you in one of our doc talks if you felt like you had an improv soulmate. Um, mm. and, and I think brother is adjacent to that because I was – I know some people and we know some people who are trying to, ex- like, find the perfect partner to do two prov with. And I, I, I took that one step further and called it soulmate. I mean, I could I, – I mean – we Jonesy and I have a special connection. We've talked many times about doing two-person improv. The hard, the hard part has always been, uh, you know, we're both starting families. He went. He now doesn't live in LA anymore. I don't know if you know right. this. 
Uh, but when that. but when he did live in LA, lived on the other side of town. So it was just always like maybe if we had come to that understanding, you know, in our early 30s or or whatever. Um, but when I'm on stage with Jones, when mm. we're on when we're on stage together, there's an unspoken language that we have. I, some of my favorite scenes I've ever done has, have been with him. He brings such great physicality to everything he does. Um, and, you know, we've been, I, we've been improvising together for 20 years because Beautiful. We, we started, we were in class together a long time ago. And then we, we both joined uh, Impro at the same time. And we were like the two young newbies. Um, so we clung to each other a lot. But, but yeah, I think, I think we can kind of read each other's minds on stage, which is, which is pretty fantastic. But now, now he's in Tennessee. So I'll just have to wait till our reunion tour. Which will be awesome eventually. There's like this, um, the, you know how we talked about this too, where like each person at Impro or Improv, everyone has like, this person taught me that, or this person's really great at that. Uh, the myth about Brian Jones is uh, someone was like, do you know that he counts steps when he walks up stairways so that he can recreate it perfectly when he's doing steps on, on, on a staircase? In improv, and I'm like, that's of of course, Brian. And I'm who knows if that's true, but I, I would believe it if like he knows how many steps are in a stairway, so that he takes the right amount of steps up a stairway. I would believe it because he would also make it not look like that's what he's like. He's doing that kind of work. He's just that kind of detail oriented improviser. Yeah, you know, physical improvisers like him or Stephen Kieran, they you know, they they take the time when they're in the real life scenario to like clock it. Yeah, it, totally. It doesn't mean that when they're on stage that they're necessarily obsessing about it. Yeah, it's just it's already it's it, the physicality of it's already in them. You know? Well, because you're you're practicing it in the real world, right? You're, and they mm -hmm. just bring themselves. Yeah. So, long story short, Brian Jones is great. I'm gonna um, ask him to do this podcast with me instead of you next time. So, fantastic, so and I'll, then I'll listen. Great, I'll, perfect. I'll listen and I'll call him and tell him how great I think he did. Well, and I and I think the the point isn't lost though that like it is nice to have the conversation. Be a little bit more mindful about it. I think it's building patience. And I think I mentioned this last week. There, I'm having some of an somewhat of an existential crisis having done this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. So much of my life revolved around me wanting to be cool. And wanting people to think I was cool and then like wanting to be the version of my generation's cool, but always feeling like I missed the mark on that. And now that we're not the cool generation, I feel like that boat has sailed completely. And so I'm like, what was it all about? And so then this podcast is really, really shining a light on that part of my personality and psyche. It's been a really interesting journey. Do you feel any sense of release? Uh, no, the, the anxiety is higher than it ever has. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I meant to mention, we were talking about my anxiety last week, and I mentioned it to my psychiatrist and thinking she was like, let's bump up your medication. And she's like, she said exactly what you said. It's uh, something's going off. It's something to listen to. Let's let's watch it. How is your coping? She asked me how my coping was. She goes, let's, let's, let's take a look at it. Don't, you know, she didn't suggest bumping the medication. She wanted me to work on my coping skills which i thought was awesome 
Great. But I think well, you grease you grease the railings for that. You grease the checks for that. Like to go, hey, like does it's okay to isn't that the point of antidepressants or therapy is to get coping in order. It's not to either I I could be the person who has antidepressants for the rest of my life. I'm not close-minded to that if it helps me. But I love the idea of it's helping me to cope and and, sh- and her main point was is it impeding your normal day-to-day? I said, it's not. And she goes, great. We're going to keep an eye on it then. I thought mm-hmm. that was so cool. Yeah. And that's very good because if you were to tell me she responded otherwise, I'd be like, maybe you should think about finding Exactly. <laughs> I think that would that would alert me to um, just a psychiatrist that wants not the best for their client, <laughs> right? Or is just <laughs> like uh, rampantly assigning people drugs. But yeah, I thought I was I was happy about that. Because maybe I can work through this. So you can. It's another way of looking at it instead of coping. I know it's, that's a good word. Is it's a, a catch skill, all. Skill building. It's literally building the skill of anxiety management. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I like that. The, not that the, antidepressant that I take a tick to but not that the antidepressants that I take completely killed anxiety for me it made it so manageable though to move past some other traumas for me that I didn't anxiety almost didn't exist sometimes it would peak up but right now it's like this really like present feeling um but I'm dealing with it and before I don't know how I would have dealt with it without the ability without what the antidepressants and therapy gave me, which was an opportunity to feel what it was like without it. Yeah. That's that's what they're there for. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh so what what I just thought would be fun to talk about is BuzzFeed compiled um people who went off on Reddit about what is your most boomer opinion, even though you're not a boomer. And oh. so it really, yeah. So it was like, what I thought was interesting about people who were sharing, like, oh, I actually feel this way about this, or like technology, or whatever. We we paint on to like millennials; they're all just attached to their phones, da, da, da. and probably like statistically that's true. But there are still um, common core beliefs that most of us share. Like we we are connected by wanting human contact and connection in the same way. Let's see. Uh, one of them was. <laughs> Want me to make you feel bad right away? Sure. Uh, the uh, Reddit user Space the Turtle says, uh, "Parents giving their little kids iPads to entertain them is so weird, especially on holidays. Just talk to each other or play something together. It seems like the parents want to get rid of the kid. It cannot be good for the poor child's development." <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I, I know every parent I know obviously lets their kid watch TV to some extent, but really does a good job to take electronics out of their hands as much as possible. Like, not like stunting them with regards to not knowing about how to use it, but it's it has limits. Like parents, for the most part that I know, employ limits on electronics. Yeah, it's important. It's bad yeah. for your brain. 
So not all Generation Z and millennials want our kids to have phones in their hands. Uh, another one but from Penny. What, I, would ha- I Just so you know, I wouldn't have assumed they would have. Yeah. Or whatever. Even That's fair. It's like very, like, yeah, I wouldn't have assumed they would have. Yeah. Well, and let's be fit. Let's like, I don't know this person, Space the Turtle. And I know that when I'm like in a grocery store pre-pandemic and a, and a mom is letting their kid look at the, the iPhone or something, I'm like, Jesus, that's, or she's on the phone or the dad's on the phone, even though they're with the kid. I'm like, you should just be present with your kid. I could be really judgmental in that moment. So I feel like that's where that, I understand. Nick is shaking his judge, head right now You would me. judge the shit out of me right now. You would judge I got me. it. I mean, I, well, now granted, I'm spending 24-7 with my child. If I couldn't be on the phone around her, then I would never be able to get anything done. And that just can't. That's just not. It's not possible. Possible. Kids, kids need to learn how to play on their own. They need to learn how to be bored. That is really good for kids. They, it allows them to use their imagination to create and to invent things. So yeah. the constant need to be uh, in communication with the parent can become problematic. Um, so it's a, it's a balance. You have to figure it out. Like you don't want to <laughs> not engage. Ignore the child. child. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So it's a, it's a balance, but yeah. But you're totally right. If you're with that baby all the time, they, they you should be able to talk to other people. That's absolutely right. Um, I read an article talking about how kids were probably going to have a challenge of retaining knowledge that they, they learned in school because they're going from school to iPhones or internet and the brain isn't turning off. And like you said, they need to learn how to be bored. They are not letting their brains rest after school and instead stimulating it with news and friends, Twitter pages and da, 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 da. And so it's possible information isn't coagulating in the brain as well. Certainly. Scary, scary. But they don't need uh, to anymore because if they need to figure something out, they just look it up on Google. That's part of the problem too, right? Like a problem. I don't know. I don't know. Is it a problem or is it just a Well, when the, computers, when the computers shut down and then we all turn dumb because we don't know anything because we can't ask Google, then we're screwed. Then we're done. We're <laughs> done. Let's see. Call people if it's urgent and text if you want a response later. It's like a house phone and a letter. Interesting. Unusual, unusual researcher seven said that. That's interesting. Like so, that's the transact. That's the contract between the difference of calling and texting. But but there's but this is saying that that that's a boomer opinion. That seems like it, or like that the house phone and a letter is the equivalent to the boomer thing. Like a phone call and a text is the is the house le- is the letter and the and a house phone call. I don't know. Just something like something missing on that for me because yeah, most boomers just call. I mean, I guess they they're getting better at texting, but then they <laughs> take when I get a text, they're like, if they don't get a response pretty quickly, they're like, why, huh? Why aren't you responding? Yeah, totally, totally. I will say it I have to fight every urge of myself to assume that when I don't get a response 
from you or for like someone else that you don't you haven't you haven't decided to hate me after that one response. It has to like I have to have a conversation with myself to go. It's more than likely this person still is your friend. <laughs> after I feel you. I I have the same thing sometimes. It's wild. You send a text I, if and I, you don't get a response. Oh, that person hates you. Oh, a guy a guy who I know is he's technically still a millennial and we'll and we'll call him like he's my brother's friend you know he's my friend by proxy so he's like a, another younger brother and this girl he da- he was dating a girl well dating's a strong word he went out with a date with a girl on a girl already told her like straight up i i probably just want to be friends with benefits i don't I'm not, I'm not that interested in you the first date they went out she puked like she fell asleep while they were watching tv and then puked all over her living room and like he had already called his Uber, so, like, he left and didn't help her because he didn't like her very much. And then she was like, hey. Like, he called me as he was in the Uber, like, hey, this is what happened. And then she, like, texted him, like, can I make it up to you? I'll buy you dinner this time and blah, 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 blah. And he said yes to, like, I think make her, like, soften the blow of, like, how awkward that was. But then, like, totally ghosted her. Like, because obviously he's not interested. But so so then he finds out that she must have unfollowed him on Instagram because she it, he she saw he saw that she refollowed him and then she messaged him again and was like, Hey, do you wanna hang out? He saw the message, didn't respond, and then she deleted it within like six hours. <laughs> like there's like this whole story of this woman imploding mm-hmm. because because like she wasn't getting responses, but that but also the fact that she deleted it in my mind, like being sympathetic to her, she deleted it within six hours because she knew I'm making a mistake. This is, person does not like me. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been there. There's a that, difference that between like, oh, I shouldn't be texting this person or this person's busy. There is a difference. It's kind of like the the movie Swingers. You remember the movie Swingers? I do it? remember the movie Swingers. I could, I could stand to rewatch it and remember it better, but yes. That's, a cla- that's classic it. Gen X film that's totally favreau and whatever his face is oh shit vince vaughn he's Mm -hmm. uh yeah when he comes home that is most fuckable yeah totally he calls uh favreau calls this girl out of the bar and he basically leaves messages (laughs) i think it's the first time that happens because then it happens in like every sitcom after that right that's got to be like one of the first times someone depicts that fucking neuroses right (laughs) Maybe, yeah, definitely. It's, it's just classic, is my point. Moment, it's like, yeah. oh, God, it's painful. It's painful. Um, uh, for for our younger audiences, a voicemail on, oh God. <laughs> on an answering machine. Anyways, they, they know what voicemail is, even though no one uses it anymore. Yeah, the same kid who was telling me about this girl that threw up, he's like, I texted him, I was like, hey, how are you? He's like, I called you two times. And one of them I must not have gone through to my phone or he was like just being dramatic. And my argument, which I didn't make, was leave me a voicemail. You didn't leave me a voicemail. It might not have been that important. If I don't leave someone a voicemail, mm. I'm not expecting them to call me back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw that you called my phone. I might text and be like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm not... I'm not running out of my way if you don't leave a voicemail. Anyway, um, another one that I fully agree with and and talk about it in a different way. 
dangerous effort 3355 says not everything needs to be filmed and put on the internet yes yes like most things well yeah and i tell people go go to an event with your friend go to a, a vacation don't take pictures the whole time i think i read something that said the more pictures you take the less likely you're to remember that actually like you're mm. not present in the same way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with taking pictures, but if you're like going there and just selfieing the whole time, you're like consumed with like which one am I going to post or whatever. You're less likely to probably be present. Usually, when I go on vacation now, I take pictures of toilets. <laughs> That's what I do. Like I, I when I was young, and this will be the last one we talk about. But when I was young. We would go to Vegas a lot. Have I told you this before? I feel like I have. Oh, I don't know. I've shared this. I've shared this story. A couple other people know this because if they follow my Instagram, they've seen I'm like the toilet girl. But when I was young, we would go to Vegas a lot. My dad loved Vegas. My mom loved Vegas. We had like a my dad had like a company car, so we would like go drive from LA to Vegas all the time, and it was just fun. It was like I like Vegas because it was like what our family did. And as you could imagine, three kids in the back seat or four when my brother was born, that's a lot of bathroom trips one's got to make, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes if it's like a boy, you can pull across the street or there was like a piss cup, which was really a fun experience. But you go to the bathroom and you go to, you know, to a pit stop or whatever. And I just remembered thinking how many different toilets there were, like, like, God, no one toilet is the same. It's like no one toilet uh, bathroom is the same experience. And I thought it would make a really great coffee table book to like mm. ba- bathroom stops across America or something like that. So five or six or seven years ago, I was on my tr- way to Vegas and I went, this trip, I'm going to take pictures of bathrooms because we just happened to like make a lot of like pit stops on this one. Mm. And then I realized it was cool if that was the only thing i needed to take pictures of i could just be super present with my friends Mm. doing other things so the majority of the trips i go on unless it's like a convention or something like that it's usually a bath of bathrooms and there are pretty ones and there are not pretty ones and they're not so pretty ones now i yeah i guess i'd be curious because they're all female bathrooms which is something that as they're not all female not all female no well, because oh. there's some unisex in in pit stops, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. I just mean in general, though. Are you going? You getting somebody to go in the men's room and take some pics? That's a really great picture. No, the great question. Um, I'm definitely not, though. I imagine the person who is meant to be my partner, if I ever ever find myself in a relationship ever again, will be gung ho, and and we will be toilet picture partners. And that that'll be our journey together. It's like he's like, yes, dear. I will take the pictures of the men's urinals for you. And we'll be famous. I think that's great. I mean, you know That's a good goal, right? To like fight want to find that in a partner. Yeah. I mean, you gotta find a way to like work it into the first date, right? Just to make sure like you're not wasting time. (laughs) 
Okay, there's three things that I am um, stark on. It's uh, religion and it's no smoking weed and you better take pictures of toilets. <laughs> Could you imagine? I actually just, as of last week, deleted my um, online dating profile. RIP. I can't do it. Oh, no. What were you just, on? I was on Hinge. And I'm sure it works for some people. Online oh, dating. I never just, heard of Hinge. Hinge is... Among the ones people would say is the better ones. Mm. Um, I just wasn't. I I'm not. Online dating is not wonderful for the the way I fall for people. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not the best mm-hmm. entry way entry point. I'm not. I don't look at people objectively. I'm like, yeah, that person. I want to fuck them. Uh, and and you really got to be attracted. For me, I got you got to really be attracted to their picture. And for me, for me, it's mostly personality, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent, or like, uh, or their their lack of interest in me. Their lack of interest in me usually makes me even more interested. So I can't tell that in a picture. <laughs> I I've gone on one online date in my entire life. Really? Because I know you and Sandra had a fun like kismet meat they had a meat cute outside of a fire right (laughs) close close i remember Uh, you telling this story with pride that my apartment was on fire and we met (laughs) yes yes we weren't standing outside the apartment looking at the fire in fact i was not there the day of the fire oh it was a you told the story all wrong no you remember it (laughs) it was a duplex upstairs downstairs I lived upstairs. She lived downstairs. Mm. Three bedrooms, so three guys up, three three girls down, and uh, perfect. I, this is a, a sitcom. <laughs> oh what? Oh great sitcom! And I was the only one who left that morning before the fire started. Um, I went to work, which was something I rarely did at that time. Yeah. Um. So it was it was an anomaly that I was like going to work. Um, and I walked right by the point of ignition of the fire, maybe about f- half hour to 45 minutes before my roommate woke up smelling smoke. So like, how did that happen? It's so, anyways, I mean, we can so get into there's the like fire. A mis- there's a mystery here. Well, there definitely still. is a mystery. The, the, the fire department labeled it a, a no, uh, no fault situation. Uh-huh. Um, we're pretty sure it was the fault of the landlord because <laughs> it came from the Got hot water it. heater, Got but, it. but whatever, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, there is, you know, a lot of the secret jokes that I started the fire because I was, oh, funny, funny. I wasn't the one who was there. Now we did, we, the guys upstairs, we used to throw a lot of parties and which would annoy the shit out of the girls downstairs. Of course they would. We would invite them, but they never came. We thought, well, uh-huh. if, we, if we invite them, then it's okay for us to have a party. Which is not true, but not got true. it. true, no. But we threw a, like, a par- like a party, and then after the party, my roommate, Alex, said, man, that party was so amazing. We'll never top it. We might as well burn the place down. <gasps> no. No! So it's really Alex's fault. I got it. I got so. it. Fuck you, Alex. Well, actually, yeah. thank you, Alex, because well, you met your wife. Yeah, because it, it it kindled a relationship. Because be up to that point, kindled. Yeah, it was a. I chose it. I chose <laughs> was this part of your like your wedding speech too? 
Mm, uh, no. Was kindled in your wedding speech. No, that came out just right now. That was pure. Okay. This is the first time I've ever done it. Usually I like to go like, like a phoenix, we rose from the ashes. But um, yeah, not as good, right? No, no I really that. hated that. Yeah, I really yeah, hated great, that. Great. Um, how did we get started talking about the fire? Well, I just, we were just, uh, oh, just oh, saying, oh, oh, online we dating. Went on one online date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually remember the date. It was not good. It was not good. My second boyfriend I met, he found me on MySpace. Oh. And that's... like, it, it was like, I'd later find that like, that's, that's how he would find people to date. Cause like mm. when Facebook started coming in vogue, he would like when we we broke up once and like he started dating some chick from Facebook that he met and like it was a very toxic relationship. I have a penchant for that. Uh, but he had found me on MySpace and it was like one of the first times that was like, oh, someone's interested in me. But like I always wondered it we there were like if we had met in real life, we would have been attracted to each other. But what's really strange to me is like. So I met someone. I have met someone online, and yet cannot meet someone on an on an internet dating website. Because hmm. so it was it was just I I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. It's just it's it's odd to me that it's harder to date, and and that was so easy with that guy at that time. So it's not like I'm close minded to the idea of it happening. I guess is my point. But um, but that somebody had we met in real life, we probably would have dated regardless. Mm. And you, on online dates, sometimes you go out with somebody and you're like, let me sniff their butt. No, that's not. Like, you're kind of like giving them a shot. Like, at least that's my experience. It takes a lot for me to even get to a date with somebody on an online dating situation. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. I it's. Weird. I think it works for some people, though. I definitely am not yucking, um, you know. I You know, I kind of, I kind of thank my stars that I was – you know, I was right on the cusp of like, you know, the online dating definitely started during a time when I could have used it, but mm -hmm. I wasn't at the, uh, by the time it got to its peak of like, this is just how people date. Do it. it yeah. Was too, it was, I was already out of it. So, uh, but like, can we go back to your three rules? Number two, you, you're not going to, you can't date somebody who smokes weed. That, that's, that's a no weed smoking. I was uh, I I said no weed smoking for comedic effect. Oh, um, oh okay. But is... but I would prefer someone who's not dependent on it regularly. Got it. Got it. It makes sense. That's and that's just more like I've been there, done that. At uh, but that being said, I'm sure my future husband will use weed, and it was fine. You know what I mean? Like I've. It's been fine where people smoked weed regularly and it didn't bother me. And I didn't feel the need to smoke it. Uh, my last experience with smoking weed was horrendous and has really stopped me from ever wanting to try to smoke weed again. But I used to be a pot smoker. I was like, I was a pothead. I totally was. That part of my life is done, though. And But, like, you know, I also did mushrooms over the pandemic. So I'm not, like, close-minded to drugs whatsoever. However... If someone feels the need to wake and bake and then get high before they go to work and then get high at lunch and then get high when they come home and then get high after dinner, that's that's, that's a, a dependency I don't want to part of. 
That, yeah, that you don't want that. That's a little bit different for me. You don't want that. Yeah. Because there's like this culture now where it's like, fuck yeah, weed's great. And, I, you know, Paul McCartney smokes weed every day. And so that's fine. I'm sure it's, I'm sure he's super chill. And again, like Seth Rogen's super effective on weed. You know what I mean? Like he's a better person when he's high. That's like literally his words. So I'm certainly not saying absolutely no, but the dependency problem. And it's for anything. You don't want someone who's dependent on alcohol. But I guess you want, you want them little... to be dependent on you. Right? Duh. Actually, no. Because <laughs> no, the, more... the more they want me, the more they can get fucked. Get out of here. <laughs> be They need to be not real, <laughs> not high on, on drugs. Ugh. It's all, it's all fine. Why do you think I'm becoming a cat lady? <laughs> Hey, Jess. Hey, Nick. You don't know Nick. <gasps> I don't know Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what I don't know, bro. So I'm curious. Uh, okay. I'm curious here. This is this is important. I'm gonna Nico Curio. Got it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hum a tune or or. Not hum, you know. I'm gonna do a tune here. You have to guess it. I want to see if you you're know. Gonna, it. You're gonna serenade me. I'm so excited. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if you know this. Okay. Uh-huh. Super uh-huh. simple. I'm closing my but, eyes. I'm just gonna name, let you name this tune. And I, okay. you know, I'm. I, I, you do you, bro. I'm not even looking at you. Don't worry. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Na 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 na. Yeah. Uh 80s. No, 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 no. It's not NXS, is it? <laughs> nope. Okay, hold on. I can't I can think of that. Uh uh-uh, uh. I can't I can't I mean I I know I've heard it before, but I can't place it. You you feel like you've heard it before, but you can't place it. I know it. I've heard it before. I can't place it. Like when you hear it, does it evoke a feeling at all? Well, initially it was okay. It, at first, I thought you were doing like some like basketball thing. I had like, um, oh, na 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 na, yeah, something like that. Yeah, hey. no, yeah, no. Some, something like that. It isn't jock jam. Um, it kind of had a jock jam to it. Um, bump, 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 bump. Like it, it definitely has like a. Um, our house in the middle of our street, kind of. But then I also was thinking, <laughs> and then I was thinking like actually early '90s. So I, I'm a little all over the place. Like a maybe a theme song. I don't know. I fucking lost. Ooh. Lost. What if oh. I told you you were closer with a theme song? Fuck. Okay. I no, don't know it. Didn't get it? I don't know Nick. Uh, okay. Should I play the actual theme song for you? Sure. Go for it. Oh, shoot. Now I got to find it. Well. <sighs> okay. Here. We'll, do, we'll try this one. Well, this, it's. Okay. It starts off with. 
Give me a second here. I'm excited. I'm I'm on the I'm on the journey. Okay. While I while I get it queued up, uh -huh. um, I'm gonna do it again for you. Okay. It's a theme song. You got that. Okay. Eighty. It will even give you eighties too. Okay. Close. Nah, 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 nah. Sometimes it would continue. Nah, 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 nah. No, no. No. I don't okay, have it. Okay. okay, let's see if I got it. Okay, you ready? I'm gonna play you, I'll play you the actual. Thing. I'm never ready. Here we go, let's see if it, I had to kind of cue in a little bit because it has like a non-music intro. Mm. Jesus. Okay, first of all, I could t I knew it was that kind of guitar. I could tell it was that kind of guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, I could tell. But I how was I supposed to glean what that was? Because basically you sung that, and I have no idea what it is. And it didn't help hearing that at all. It didn't, this, actually. I want you to know this is you the want difference me to know. Okay. between you and me. Oh God! This is this is gonna this is fascinating. Um, that is the theme song, the original theme song to MTV. Wow! <laughs> wow! Totally, 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 totally. Right now, you're like, okay, I, you know, no, yeah, I don't no? even know that I. If you've ever so, heard it that way, no? I'm sure I have, and I'm sure I've heard it, and I'm sure people have played it like like it showed up on, like, remember the 80s or something like that, right? I know that. I've heard the ding 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 Like, I've heard it. But as far as, like, when MTV was impactful to me, that's not – like, I don't remember that at all. So, fun – fun trivial fact about my family and my and like our relationship with mtv the first song is the buggles video killed the radio uh star mm. uh it was like i think the first music video that mtv plays that was what my dad said that my parents song was so they they end up divorcing 18 years later they hate each other it's real like actually my mom would still date him anyway my father there was a, a relationship that ends up uh, modeling a lot of my future relationships. But their song was that song, Video Killed the Radio Star. So, uh, uh, Video Killed the, yeah, Video yeah. Killed the Radio, radio Star. star. Yeah. Um, so, MTV was a factor in our life, but I was a baby. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, that, that interstitial or whatever is not something I experienced. That, for anybody, my age and older that is wow. at that is at our core like they would they they wouldn't have need me to play this i would just go nah 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 nah, nah. you know and they would go like, oh yeah mtv wow that is a really clear line you said something a couple weeks ago and i was like oh yeah that's the difference 
When you think of MTV, you, TRL. Think, you think of TRL. Uh, and for me, I think that's right. That is when MTV died. <laughs> <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, another time, I'll have Allison and Constanti, who's a friend of our, a mutual friend of ours, uh, sent me an, a, a video about like the death of rock and roll. And I think it was probably, I bet you that was also, they agree with you that like that's when it ends, right? Like the commercialism of it all really hit the wall there. Um, so I'll have to watch that video before I, I say anything more about it. But I, I can definitely see that you're right. I'm sure that's true. Well, it's nothing to be right about. I'm just saying that's what it, that's what it was that's what it was for me. That was when I was like, unless you know, that's when I was like, I'm you know, I'm done, I'm out. And I was also at an age when I was it wasn't off. relevant to you in the same way. I was in college. I wasn't necessarily watching TV, and um, and uh, and it and and really where things started to go downhill for me was. <laughs> Was when, uh, you know, uh, when they when they got into reality, when it was, um, oh my god, oh real world, real world was great, real world New York, right. the first one was great, it was, oh this is so cool, and they did another one, okay cool cool, and then they got to the third one, you're like, all right, okay, it's getting a little old, and then they started doing road rules, and you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting, right? And then right. when it was like, road rules casts meet real world cast, and like that was that was it, that was out. It like jumped the shark for you. Yeah. Um, and then TRL, like, I was like, oh, what's this TRL thing? Oh, whatever. At that point, I don't, you know, I did a little bit of research before today, just a little bit. I think at that point, they weren't even doing music videos other than on TRL. Maybe every now and then here or there. But I think they probably had, like, hours of music videos, right? Like, because I know. I don't even know. Maybe. Because I, I remember not. VH1 was when we, we were watching more videos on VH1. Yeah, that probably was happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, like if I remember waking up in the morning and like VH1 was scrolling through like the top 10 of like alternative and like you hear a Red Hot Chili Peppers or Filter or something like that. Like or like X gonna give it to you or whatever is like playing in the morning. Uh but yeah, MTV, I don't think was doing it. I think you'd look at MTV to like go, oh, what are they showing right now? And it was probably, it probably was a music video, but then something else. Um, yeah, that's so fascinating. But then, you know, you, I'm sure if we were to get a boomer on here, he'd be like, well, rock and roll died when MTV showed up. Oh, then totally. Because commercial. This is, this is straight what makes Gen X. Yeah. Gen X. Yeah. If we go if we go back to like at the very beginning, you said, I'm gonna, you know, throw these words at you and you threw out Gen X, what's the first thing you think of? And my I said I think I said guitar. And no, you said singles. Oh, I said guitar, and then I said the movie singles. Um so what's funny about this is really what I think about for whatever reason for me when I think Gen X is I think about my eldest brother, Greg. Now, what's also hilarious is that he has listened, started listening I, to this I podcast. So, and so, so now, lovely. So now we have started talking and he's, he's caught up now. And one of the things he likes about the podcast is, you know, he, he gets getting to know his brother a little bit better and, and hearing my perspective on things that 
relate to him and, and yada yada. But he was the older brother. He was he was Gen X to me. I had two other brothers that I didn't think necessarily were Gen X. He played guitar. He was sort of the musical influence. Wow. He's the one who he's the one who recorded all the music videos on VHS. I love that. You know. Um, he basically and- set the tempo for you guys. Totally. Definitely was very influential musically. Um, and, and I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, MTV, I want my MTV. That's, that's that generation. That's what, that's what. I want my MTV. Oh, there you go. Well, now you're. I do know. What well, band so, is that? Uh, it's Sting in the Dire Straits. There you go. There you go yeah. Sir. Oh, dude. I know shit. Like I was listening to glam rock two days ago i there's a huge old music soul in me that uh has made me disappointed when i haven't known a couple things that you've shown me with music but i definitely i'm not catching up with the music in the same way another time i was i wanted to i didn't want to i want to do this but i didn't we we we, i wanted to talk about other things today another time we're gonna look at the top 100 billboard and go down the list and see if we know any of the artists oh currently yeah oh oh okay yeah Yeah. i don't think it's gonna be too pretty on my end yeah i don't (laughs) think it's gonna look good for me either i and that really is where i'm waking up to the disparity between me and the newer generation right now is just not coming along the the train with Mm -hmm. their music and that's okay i'm don't i'm not upset about it i just recognize that like olivia rodrigo is somebody that everyone's all into right now and she's like traversing all generations and i still haven't heard a song of hers so and that's okay. I'll, it'll. I will get there. I will get there. Someone once said, though, we were talking about it. Billie Eilish dyed her hair blonde, and my hair is blonde right now. And she did like a whole cover, uh, uh, you know, cover shoot of her being blonde, and she looked so much like me in a couple shots. And my friend was like, "You walked so that Billie Eilish could fly, or something, or you read." <laughs> Because if I had followed my initial dream of being a singer-songwriter, could I have been that? Maybe. But I'm not. So, yeah, we'll do the, we'll do a top 100 and see how much we know. Nick. Jess? Do you feel like, do you feel like you're enriched today from our conversation? Uh, do I feel like I'm enriched? Sure. Wait, what's sure. your – okay, I'll ask you a different question, actually. I think like I talked your... a lot about myself, so I don't, you know. So really, I was like, I was like projecting. I feel really enicked this week. Yeah. Enicked. What did you? What? Are, what are you? What's like one thing you learned about Nick that you didn't didn't realize or didn't know? Your enterprising, <laughs> partying side. <laughs> I really, my mind is blown with how much partying went on at at that age, but. Um, one thing I, I do know about you is how thoughtful you are and 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 just how much you think about things and um you're you're patient and calm and kind and uh and a little competitive <laughs> which is definitely uh something I can get behind. Uh what's your one word summary of today? Uh, my one word summary of today. Only one word. Uh, only one word. Um, I mean, I look. I'm like, I'm, can I give you three words? 
Sure, fine. Dazed and confused. Oh, God. All right. Bye, Nick. Go watch that movie. Uh, I will. I promise. I promise between now and the next podcast, I will. And I don't make really? promises. And I then we can talk about it. We will talk about it. I promise you. Because that's a And crack. everyone in our community can watch it with us. All, all of right, our nickels. All right, all right. Ugh. When the thing I love about college, uh, high school girls, is they stay the same age and I get older. Something like that. Close. I get older, <laughs> they stay the same age. Gross. Bye, Nick. Bye, Jess. Thanks so much for listening to You Don't Know Nick podcast. Do us a favor and give a review wherever you like podcasts or give it a subscribe. And if you want to find out more ways to support our show, go to youdon'tknownick.com. Was a JLV production.